0: Welcome to For Your Amusement, a theme park podcast that aims to exhaustively evaluate the world's most popular theme park attractions to determine if they are world class. I'm Ryan Bergara. And I'm Byron Marin. And for this episode's featured attraction, we lace up our snowshoes and give a preemptive call to our chiropractor for the Matterhorn bobsleds at Disneyland, California. As you can tell by that intro. You wasted
1: like, no time in getting to a, the, the a fact, spinal
0: adjustment joke. <laughs> the fact that this ride breaks your spine in half like Bane did Batman. It's a lot, it's a lot. We love it, but it is a lot. Let's not
1: pretend that it's not.
0: And with that, let's get into some history, huh?
1: As many of you viewers and listeners would probably know by now, Disneyland opens in 1955. There's no Matterhorn yet. However, there's a massive pile of dirt that went by the nickname Holiday Hill. This dirt came from the construction of Sleeping Beauty's castle. They basically had to dig a bunch of dirt up and move it around, and it basically formed this 20-foot mountain, or I believe it was around 20 feet tall.
0: I believe that's what I have here, 20 feet tall. 20
1: feet, confirmed, 20 feet tall mountain. Walt maybe had mixed feelings at best about this pile of dirt, which may come into fun facts later. So I'm going to refrain and just say that while on a film shoot in Switzerland, Walt Disney fell in love with the Matterhorn Mountain, the real Matterhorn. He instructed his Imagineers to get going on a roller coaster ride. I'm once again withholding because there is a great little fun fact that I know you're smirking about. Yeah. So I know it's there. So I'm, it's coming soon, coming soon. But he wants a Matterhorn. Roller coaster. Bob Gurr, a legendary Imagineer, designed the cars for Autopia and the monorail. He designs the layout of this roller coaster. He uh, basically learns trigonometry on the fly to do that. Oh, shit. This roller coaster is nice work, Bob. manufactured by Aero Development. And I'm sure there's another very fun fact in there that you're going to get soon in regards to constructing the rails. For this roller coaster.
0: Actually, I don't have that fun fact. You could go ahead and say that. All right, right now. we're
1: plugging in now. This is the first roller coaster to use tubular steel track. Oh, I do have that. Never no, mind. Well, that, I'm like, I'm like,
0: <laughs> that's the layup. I know that's
1: got to be in there.
0: I will also say mm-hmm. that that 20 foot pile of dirt that was nicknamed Holiday Hill, I guess the first, if you can call it this, incarnation of what became the Matterhorn, also was that hill. Walt basically covered it with artificial snow and put a toboggan run, toboggan, 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 a sled run, let's go with that. And he had people ride down it and that was called Snow Hill. Interesting. And that was like kind of like, you know, the Snickle Fritz Matterhorn.
1: Now, since we're on the topic of Holiday Hill, was this also a romantic location for people? Do you have that in your fun facts? Uh, People
0: did often, uh, they weren't like full out doing it, but I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, they were getting cozy, I bet, you know, a a little snuggling, perhaps a little bit more. Hide yeah, some stuff behind the picnic basket.
1: Anyways, Walt, not a fan of this being in his park. No. But we are gifted with Disneyland's first roller coaster, which is still the tallest structure in Disneyland Park at 147 feet tall. Not
0: resort. Not resort. That, that no, range.
1: not resort. Just Disneyland Park. Disney, the just resort Disneyland. that
0: belongs to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout now. Mm-hmm, which Houston.
1: rules the skyline anytime you're on the five freeway approaching Disneyland. You're going to see Guardians first, but as children, I feel like Matterhorn was probably the first thing you would see.
0: Oh, it was the first thing you'd see on the five on the way down. You'd be like, oh boy, fun things are about to happen today. In fact, I remember one time my parents surprised me by taking me to Disneyland. It wasn't too much of a surprise because I was starting to clock it. I knew the freeways. And then once I saw that Matterhorn, it was all but confirmed. If we had driven past ball road and just left the Matterhorn in the rear view, I would have made us crash that car. <laughs> I would have gone full Joker.
1: I had some birthday surprise visits myself. Oh, I'm sure. Unfortunately, a few of those that I thought were going to end up at Disneyland were trips to Ikea. Because <laughs> so, I associated- But isn't that, that a
0: Swiss company? Huh? That's a Swiss company, right? Yeah, we're staying
1: on topic here.
0: Yeah, so, you know, next best thing. you have your, You have yourself some meatballs, you look at some furniture. You reenact that scene from 500 Days of Summer.
1: Anyways, June 14th, 1959, Matterhorn debuts. When it opens at the time, it's a part of Tomorrowland, which is super weird. Uh, It wouldn't get officially declared a Fantasyland attraction until 1972. And yet, that doesn't feel quite right either,
0: I will say. Matterhorn to me has always been kind of like a man without a country. I've never identified it firmly as either Fantasyland or Tomorrowland. Honestly. I, I identify closer to Tomorrowland, even though it makes no sense at all.
1: And for the record, the mountain has never
0: moved. We're talking strictly nomenclature here. How is it like put into a little uh, envelope in terms of how it's uh, classified? Is it a Fantasyland attraction or is it a Tomorrowland attraction? They did not move it from Tomorrowland to Fantasyland. Is that what you were getting at?
1: Yeah, exactly. It was some uh, Louisiana purchase of Tomorrowland. Exactly. exactly. Fantasyland expands. (laughs) And it's been chugging along ever since.
0: I think you meant bumping along is, by the way, what you were trying to say. Chugging (laughs) along is giving it a lot of credit. Look, I'm not a hater of this ride. I know it's coming off that way. I actually like that it, it causes several discs in your back to rupture upon exit. That adds to the charm of the ride, in my opinion. I will say one thing, too. This ride does open up in 1959. It was part of the first major expansion of Disneyland. And that expansion not only added the Matterhorn, but it added the Submarine Voyage and the Monorail. And, get this, all three of them were the first ever attractions to be dubbed the now iconic E-Ticket. These are the first three E-Ticket rides, the Monorail, the Submarine Voyage, and of course, the titular ride of this podcast, the Matterhorn. This ride costs $1.5 million to build. Adjusted for inflation, that's about $46.3 million today. In fact, off the top of my dome, I believe, adjusted for inflation, that expansion in 1959, cost Walt about $400 million today, which is bananas, given just, well, I guess he was doing quite well. The films were doing good. Doing good. (laughs) Sorry, I turned into Huckleberry Finn there for a second, but yeah, Walt was doing okay, but this was still quite the check to write. I imagine he had very shaky hands when he did so. He wanted it, he He, loved that mountain. He cashed that check, baby. This mountain stands 147 feet tall. It's one 100th scale of the actual Matterhorn in Switzerland, which stands at 14,700 feet tall. But like you said, still the highest point in Disneyland Park. It took 500 tons of concrete and over 800 gallons of paint glass beads were used on the fake snow to make it glitter like the real deal pretty cool stuff there obviously they also used forced perspective and used plants and trees that were only native to the uh ones you would find in the switzerland area i think that's also quite nice
1: i keep forgetting that forced perspective was getting used from the earliest days
0: it's pretty wild that they had already pioneered techniques that they still use in heavy rotation today in the parks Pretty impressive stuff. This ride has a max speed of 27 miles per hour. Thank God, because if it went any faster, you would break every bone in your body. <laughs>
1: um, and I, I, I do want to—I want to preface this with—we we, we need to cut the team a little bit of slack. This was built in 1959. Oh
0: boy, do you feel it? You feel it every every year, every year since that has passed. You feel. Everyone knows this fact. I'm going to say it just so that I don't get screamed at in the comments. There's a half court basketball court at the top level of this mountain. It was used for like the when the mountain would have climbers or uh, when, you know, performers from the fireworks wouldn't, you know, need time in between shows. They would come in here and pass some time, shoot some hoops. The late, great Kobe Bryant visited Disneyland several times. I wonder if he ever got some shots up in that, on that half court.
1: Potentially. Funny enough, I actually saw him. Exiting Matterhorn.
0: Makes sense. He was probably was up kid. there dominating uh, Disneyland employees. Disneyland course. cast members were getting dunked on.
1: Yeah. Surrounded by a uh, security team, of course. But of course. Um, yeah, yes. that was that was a fun middle school moment.
0: Otherwise, he would have yes. uh, tackled him and, and humped his leg like a poodle.
1: I think you're speaking for yourself here. That's
0: true. I was.
1: <laughs> it's official. We are back at it and in a new year. Listeners, I got to be honest. My resolutions have me busy. Being back in the gym, reading more, organizing my storage, the list goes on and on and on. I just have no more time to even think about my next meal. But thankfully, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating clean, is here to save the day and maybe even the new year. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Each week, choose from 80-plus flavor-packed options. Easily customize your meals to suit your lifestyle with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. I certainly went a little overboard during the holidays, and Green Chef is the perfect way to get back on track. Green Chef delivers everything you need to eat clean the easy way. Nourish your body with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes packed with clean ingredients that support your healthy lifestyle and taste great too. My favorite part is the green market. Meals are one thing, but where I struggle is snacks. With functional snacks and clean beverages to support your gut and brain health, the Green Market is the mindful eater's one-stop shop for high-quality, carefully curated goods. Choose from grab-and-go breakfasts, brunch kits, 10-minute lunches, ready-to-eat snacks, veggie sides, and more. Get your year started off right. Go to greenshef.com slash 64your as in six zero F-O-R-Y-O-U-R and use code 64your to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. So nice, I'll say it twice. That's greenshef.com slash 64your and use code 64your to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Get on it right meow. Back to the show. Uh,
0: We said this already, but first tubular steel roller coaster and the first electronic dispatch system in the world. It was the first in the world for both of those, but the dispatch system allowed them to have more than one car on on the track at any time. This ride is a Disneyland Juicy-Sklusi. It's the only park that has this ride and it's Disneyland's first thrill ride, as Byron said. This is interesting. No Herald until 1978. Harold, by the way, was the name of the Abominable Snowman animatronic. The first iteration of Harold came in 1978. That's almost 20 years after the ride opened. I don't know why. I just always assumed that he was there from the beginning. But he came as part of an update.
1: Well, because he was always there from... When I was alive, of course. Yeah, our first rides.
0: Yeah, but I just didn't realize folks in the 50s and 60s and most of the 70s know Harold. Just think of that ride without Harold. It's kind of... That's a tough look
1: for the ride. Also imagine this ride with basically a gondola going Yeah, sky this the,
0: the Skyway going So it was that.
1: much more open.
0: Uh, next fun fact uh, is actually led perfectly by Byron because there used to be the Disneyland Skyway, which was basically an aerial uh, bucket tram that would you know, travel via string. Not string, like wires and cable and whatnot, but it would go through the center of the Matterhorn. There used to be a big-ass hole here. And I have vague memories of this because I was but a wee boy. I was about... <laughs> three to four years old. I think my first trip ever to Disneyland was when I was three. It's actually my first memory ever being in the Disneyland parking lot, seeing like that orange vest of the parking attendant and seeing the classic Disneyland lettering. But I also have very clear memories of looking at this, the Skyway. I miss it. I I mourn its loss. I wish it was here still today. I think it added a cool vibe to the park. I guess the next best thing is riding that Skyliner over in Disney World.
1: You know, I bet some people miss it for its kinetic energy.
0: I think it's good energy. And I love a big hole going through a mountain. I think that's really fun. Speaking of things that are no longer there, there used to be mountain climbers that would scale this mountain pretty routinely from 1959 till 2006. And then they came back for a special run when the uh, reopening of the Matterhorn happened in 2012, when it went down for a big update. And that included uh, seating changes and a brand spankin' new Herald, a new abominable snowman. <laughs> I like him, I think he's a really impressive animatronic. I have some thoughts on him, I'll save them for later. But the seat change, you know, that's a a tough break for all you pervs out there that liked having people sit in your lap. I remember this was a big date ride back in the day when you would go with high school friends and there was a girl in your group who you had a crush on. And it's like, oh, who's sitting with who on the Matterhorn?
1: That was the universal discussion that came about.
0: It was awkward. It was awkward. With
1: Matterhorn. Anytime you talk with anyone that even if you didn't go to Disneyland before, you bring a Matterhorn. I was like, oh, like, did you uh, who did you go with? Who'd you ride
0: with? (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes that answer would be with, I wrote with Byron. For those of you who don't know, the seating arrangement in this ride would be three seats on each little bobsled. However, the seats were made to be two per seat. So you would literally sit nuts to butts if you were two dudes, or you would just sit in somebody else's lap, essentially. And I remember having fond memories of this, riding this with my father, because I would be leaned back on his uh, burly (laughs) chest. Uh, And then later in high school you were riding it with perhaps a girl you had a crush on and that was kind of like the spark if you will. Anyways, they changed it now to each one person has an individual seat, which is honestly much better because I've been on the second position, you know, with somebody sitting on my lap and then you see how bumpy this ride is. I think you could start to to do the math. Do the math of where this is going.
1: You're getting tousled around quite a bit.
0: The boys are taking a beating.
1: Even, <laughs> even if you're riding this with your potential crush, no matter who that person may be, it may not be the experience you uh, you dreamt up prior to. Uh...
0: No, it's certainly, then you're starting to wonder, will I have kids ever after this ride? Next fact, this is perhaps maybe one of my favorite facts I have ever read about Walt Disney. Cause it's indicative of who he was. And it's incredibly funny.
1: I think I know where you're going with this one. So,
0: like Byron said, after filming Third Man on the Mountain, which was set on the real Matterhorn in Switzerland, Walt Disney was very inspired by that. He fell in love with the mountain. So, what did he do? He sent a postcard to the Imagineers with only three words on it. Quote, build this, Walt. (laughs) I just think... (laughs) <laughs> That's a, a, an indicator of where you are in life, that you could send a postcard to a bunch of other grown adults and be like, build this. And there's no explanation really needed because this was a common thing that Walt would do. He would go on trips, find artifacts, bring them back or get inspiration for certain rides,
1: shows, whatnot. I've been I don't know if you know, I've been I've been to the Alps. Oh, I, you I, have. I skydived in no. the Alps once and I, I made it a point to have the the guide. Point out the real Matterhorn Mountain yeah. before throwing me out of that plane.
0: Be honest, and I want you to be very, very honest. Was the first thought that you had when you saw the real Matterhorn? Was it eh, looks just like the one in Disneyland? <laughs> it it kind of did. <laughs> it was. It was pretty. Well, the worst. <laughs> not. Was, not like. Oh yeah, you know, Disneyland did a good job of trying to recreate that. It's like, oh, that kind of looks like the. Disneyland.
1: They found it to be a rather weird request because, you know, maybe they're like they're Swiss and they're, yeah. they're not used to Disneyland where I was specifically like, show me the Matterhorn mountain. Show me your I mountain. need to see it with my own eyes. Show me your mountain. And it was, it was, you know, it was in the distance. It wasn't like I was hovering over yeah. <laughs> the Matterhorn mountain before they dropped me. So it did actually look relatively small in the distance, but it did shape wise look very authentic.
0: That's cool, one one 100th scale of it, so you would expect Mm -hmm. that. The Wells Expedition materials that you see, there's a, a wreck of them on the ride. That's a tribute to Frank Wells, who was the late former president and COO of the Walt Disney Company from 1984 to his tragic death in 1994. Love that guy, very sad. I get it, I get the sentiment. This is a bit weird, no? It's a bit weird.
1: It would be if it weren't for the fact that he truly loved climbing mountains. Yeah, He but was an adventure man. He was, died
0: on a mountain. Uh, he died in a helicopter You never crash. hear
1: like the do do what you love, like, you Look, know. Look, man, <laughs> I'm just saying. Steve Irwin kind of stuff. If, this, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, this guy, he
0: died in a helicopter crash from a ski trip and they commemorate him by putting his name on the wreck of a ski trip.
1: There's a scene we call the horde scene, and this is where our snowman has collected things off the mountain over the years.
0: That That's a little odd, no? I That would be like if someone died in a car accident, Look, and I- you commemorated them by putting them on a wrecked automobile. <laughs> that's
1: I would only hope that they maybe consulted the family, maybe got some like sort of. This is what he would have wanted. It's a tough
0: look, is all I'm saying. It's a bit odd. I'm I I respect the from sentiment. the
1: outside looking in. Sure, if you want if you want to look at it through that lens. Yeah, uh, but um, he
0: is also on a on a on a window on Main Street, which is much more appropriate.
1: And while we're somewhat on the topic of Easter eggs, do you mind if we circle back to uh, Harold? Do yeah. you happen to know where? The original Harold lives. Oh today. yeah, he lives
0: in the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. After he was replaced, he got put in the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Mission: Breakout queue line over in the boiler room, which is really funny.
1: It's a nice touch.
0: It's just strange they were like, gotta eh, put him here." <laughs> I like, know where to put him, but people will like seeing Harold. There's actually two separate tracks on the Matterhorn. The Fantasyland track is a bit longer and faster than the Tomorrowland track, and Fantasyland being the side of the mountain that's closer to Fantasyland and Tomorrowland. Track being the side that's closer, of course, to Tomorrowland. They're pretty similar, but like one of them is faster and longer. And that's the one I will avoid from now on because, you know, less wear and tear on my body. According to the Walt Disney biography by Dave Thomas, Walt might have been the first writer on the Matterhorn. And he was so excited to ride it that he insisted on riding it without the brakes being installed. So what they did was they piled up bales of straw at the end of the ride. And Walt Disney rode this ride and crashed into those bales of straw.
1: What a child.
0: A fucking legend. What a child at heart. (laughs) A child at heart. Would have been a very bad look for that team, though, if he broke his spine.
1: You (laughs) know what? I, I, I appreciate someone who could also walk the walk.
0: It's nice. I mean, any all of us have had like experiences like that. You ever do the sit in the laundry basket and fly down a flight of stairs, that kind of thing?
1: I have done that. I also used to- uh,
0: Lots of broken arms. I used to
1: also ride a lot of wagons down hills.
0: I would do that too, and lots of uh, raspberries on my knees. And the last fun fact we have here is the coconut macaroons that are shaped like the Matterhorn. They're the Matterhorn macaroons, and they're available at Jolly Holiday Cafe. Uh, the bakery on Main Street. I did not know that. I did not know these existed. Apparently, there's a cult following for this treat. I got to try it. It looks good. It, it's shaped like the Matterhorn.
1: I don't really like coconut.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I, I like coconut. I don't really like sweets, but I'll try it just because it's shaped like the Matterhorn. We could split one. Okay. And that does it for fun facts. Uh, we're going to get over to current reputation for this ride. But before we do that, let's have a word from our sponsor. Now. Into the current reputation of this ride. How popular is the attraction today? What is the average wait times? Uh, Where does this fit in the theme park landscape? And how do people generally feel about this
1: ride? In regards to reputation, it opened to an extremely positive one. Most of them probably never even experienced a roller coaster, let alone a... Themed. One that's interlaced within a a mountain structure. It's crazy, yeah. So there's nothing like it until it came out. Walt was originally skeptical... He did not want a thrill ride, right?
0: Yeah, I recall that. And there he is, once it's completed, riding it into a bale of hay.
1: (laughs) Longest recorded wait time I have at 195 minutes. That must have been when it reopened in 2012. Oddly enough, this recording of 195 minutes was registered on December 20th, 2022, which I understand Christmas time gets pretty packed at the Disneyland Resort. With them. but this just seems obscene there's actually multiple times three hours uh, throughout the day minutes. that was over a hundred minutes 300 three hours and 15 minutes on this day I don't know what day of the week that is obviously you know Christmas time it does get packed but
0: I didn't think people were so horny for the Matterhorn that they'd wait three hours that's crazy
1: all time average wait time comes in at 41 minutes and this is
0: according to thrilldata.com this is
1: according to thrilldata.com 41
0: minutes average wait time that scans a little bit more that seems about on par for what i normally see on the disneyland it's usually
1: that's usually what you see it as
0: what's the wait time right now because the disneyland app does give you wait times when you ask for it uh let's see right now the matterhorn is at 80 minutes
1: It's even more impressive because it has two tracks, so the capacity is actually decent. Yeah, they've obviously gotten better at that over the years, but like for a a coaster constructed in the 50s, it's yeah, very impressive.
0: I think it's fair to say too that Disneyland and theme parks in general needed a ride like this to be able to push the envelope for what a thrill ride could be because there were thrill rides. Elsewhere in the world, like the roller coasters existed at this point. However, nothing to this scale or to this level of theming. And it's so Walt Disney to be against the idea of a thrill ride, but then to be like, okay, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it my way, which is we're going to rebuild the fucking Matterhorn from Switzerland <laughs> you that gotta, I saw. You got you to gotta plus it. He certainly did plus it. And I do think Disneyland desperately needed this because if it doesn't happen, like let's go into a timeline where Walt gets his way. We don't have a thrill ride at Disneyland while he's still alive. How much fighting would there have been to then get a thrill ride after his passing? It would be a tough uphill battle, I would imagine, right? Like, because you, it already happened with other things since he's died, like, oh, Walt wouldn't want this or Walt wouldn't alcohol. want that. Yeah, alcohol look, for Look existence. how long
1: it took to get alcohol. And we're just
0: getting that right now. Into
1: it, it, Disneyland.
0: And people have mixed feelings on that. It's interesting to me because this could be a, a major turning point in the multiverse where there is no thrill rides at Disneyland. And it changes the course of that. Park, but also theme parks in general, because it takes it from just being a family park to a place you could go for teenagers, or, you know, there is a cool factor added there that just completely scaled up their business. And it all comes, you know, it kind of comes back to this nexus point, which is the Matterhorn. I think that's very interesting. As much shit as I give this ride, we do owe it a salute for that.
1: And for all coasters globally. For, yes. For, yeah. as, as in, in regards to innovation. Yeah, I agree. I totally D- Disney agree. coasters may not be the most thrilling. They may not be the most intense, but a lot of the technology that went into the roller coasters is getting implemented across the globe.
0: You know, like an electronic dispatch system. That's mm-hmm. the first ride to ever do that. More than one train on the uh, the tracks at a time allows for greater ride capacity. More people could see the ride. You know, that's, that's big stuff right there. Let's go to first impressions. What did you think about this ride the first time you rode it, if you could even remember that?
1: My memory is extremely hazy. I believe I was six years old the first time that sounds I went. about
0: right i don't recall the height requirement off of this ride off the top of my head i want to say it's like 36 inches or maybe 42 inches
1: i feel like there's a, a period of time at least when i was a kid where i think just the requirements we had to be over the age of three <laughs> i don't know because <laughs> yeah i I, remember, I think three-year-olds were able to get on this ride and that makes a little more sense given what
0: we were talking about when it came to the seating arrangement mm-hmm. because you would literally be wedged between the you know your, your dad or your mom's lap so they could really hold on to you and make sure you didn't fly off or anything like that.
1: Which means nowadays there is pro, there is definitely a height requirement. More
0: strict height requirement, I would imagine. I'm going to guess 42 inches. Mine is also very hazy. I was uh, I, I don't even remember what age I was. I do recall it being nighttime, though. Okay. Uh, or at the very least, my most lasting memory of this ride was me riding it at night. This was one of those rides where we used to travel with a group of cousins Disneyland often, and that would be our annual Disneyland trip. But they were a bit younger, a bit smaller, and a bit more scared of thrill rides. And so I recall this would be one of the rides that we would ride at night when everyone went to sleep. And the dads, myself, would go out and we would just wreak havoc on the park and just bounce around at top speed, just cramming in as many rides as we can at nighttime, similar to what I do today now. And this was one of those rides that you would ride at night and it would be like the thrill portion of the evening
1: which is a great time oh this is an excellent night to experience it for the first time because those blue lights within the mountain at night are just so oh it's
0: i also remember so
1: appeasing to the eyes
0: and i also remember harold scaring the living
1: shit out of me that is my one memory that that i could pull out of six-year-old me they was. really killed it on
0: the, on the design of Harold. Like he truly is whimsical yet still very scary, especially the original one. The original Harold I thought was pretty scary. It had red
1: glowing eyes. That's all I remember. The, the red eyes in the dark on subsequent rides. I would close my eyes, knowing when the herald was going to appear, because I didn't want to look. I, w- I was not a big like, you know, as a kid, I was easily scared with anything spooky or you know
0: that makes sense, overly
1: thrilling. So yeah, herald was a big deterrent.
0: And I even recall that most of my mental energy on the Matterhorn was not even focused on the fact that I was on a roller coaster. It was like, okay, when's the next time that guy's going to pop up? Because yeah. I'm so scared of him, I I need to be aware. And I I spent so much of that ride calculating, like, okay, we're at this portion of the ride, he's gotta be around the next corner. And he wouldn't be there and be like, shit, that's just the waterfall. Okay, he's gotta be on the next corner. And (laughs) that was most of my uh, experience on this ride when I was a kid.
1: And now all of your mental energy goes into how you're gonna contort your body to best handle the blows. (laughs)
0: Exactly, like how, where am I gonna find ice? The next, an ice pack and some, uh, some Bengay or Icy Hot to aid my ailing back. Let's just keep moving right along here. Let's go to good and bad. What are the good and bad things about this ride? Let's start with the good. First thing I wrote here is the cue noises that emanate from the mountain, as well as just the cue music. I have very fond memories of walking around Disneyland at night and hearing the wind that kind of projects from this mountain. The
1: howling howling
0: wind. wind. And every now and then, I don't know if this is in my mind, but I'm pretty sure it isn't, because I do think they had an audio loop for this portion of the park. Audio loops are just portions of Disneyland that run a consistent amount of audio over and over again to let you know subliminally, or maybe more subconsciously, I suppose, that you are in a certain part of the park, in a certain theme. And the audio loop for this portion, I do recall there being a faint cry of Harold. The abominable snowman
1: there is and we might play it for you right now
0: it's very good it actually is storytelling before you even get on the ride before you even think about getting in line for the ride i can't think of many attractions that do that
1: it's a great anticipation builder
0: do they still have harold kind of faintly screaming today i don't think they do anymore that's sad
1: that's sad if so They still have the sound of the blizzard. They
0: have the sound of the wind still. I I confirmed that. But I don't know if they still have Harold. I wish it was still there. And if it is, even better. And the cue music. Fantastic. Really sets a tone. It's a little goofy. I imagine people from Switzerland maybe think it's a bit uh, on the nose.
1: Anyone from Switzerland would have really hated what I used to do on this ride. So once I hit my like punky teenage years, oh, I was bring a harmonica <laughs> on <laughs> onto the Matterhorn. Yeah. And I didn't play harmonica, but like if you just take a harmonica and you blow and you wiggle it back and forth, it just kind of sounds like a like a kind of like a yodel, like yeah. music sound. That's funny because when I, I would,
0: blow and wiggle it back and forth, that's also the noise I hear.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, keep going.
1: And so I would play it throughout the, the entire <laughs> ride while, oh while running down the mountain. And one day we get off Matterhorn and there's a couple high schoolers that were at the front of the train and they turn around to me at the end of the ride, which at that moment, I didn't realize they were probably stoned out of their minds <laughs> because this guy, the surfer bro, like looks back at me. And he's like, dude, your music enhanced the ride tenfold. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't think I, I just think
0: folks from Switzerland will probably hear the cue music and be like, this is a little goofy. It's like when you go to an Italian themed restaurant and it's like, it's it's a bit much, uh, but I enjoy it. The thing is, it caught us uh, as children. It caught it. Got It hits the nostalgia bone. I like the atmosphere of standing in this line quite a bit. The The switchback portion. Not so much wrapping around the mountain. That could get a bit much, especially on a hot day. That's why I prefer to ride this ride at night because if it's hot, there ain't no shade around that mountain and you're just getting blasted. No more lap sitting. That's a bonus for me. That's a good for me. It might be a bad for all you perverts out there. I actually like that there is no more lap sitting because it protects the boys downstairs and it makes for a comfier ride. In addition to that, They've heavily padded the seats. Yeah, before it was like a plastic kind of surrounding you in the seats. There wasn't even really any padding from my recollection. And that also just added to the beating that this ride lays on you.
1: Because every time it goes down for a refurb, everyone thinks that it's getting retracted. It's not. It doesn't get retracted. Like, I would have very mixed feelings about it getting retracted. Like, I, went on I would it, get it, but
0: Oh dude, I wish it happened. I wish I wish it would happen. The last refurb that just happened a couple months ago, I got on it thinking they probably smoothed this bad boy out. It's gonna be riding like a no, dream.
1: You get the OG and I got on and it was like the OG tubular steel track. <laughs> I really hope you're all watching this on video, by the way. If you're listening to it, Ryan is having a seizure and you'll have to go to YouTube and give this a watch.
0: Um, I I shook so much my beanie flew off just like it would on the ride. Oh, let me fix this fucking podcast microphone.
1: But hey, if they're going to refuse to switch out the track, at least they've decided to pad the seats. I I do
0: enjoy the padding. It makes the shaking not as bad. You, we've referenced it many times already in this podcast. This is a, this is a very rough ride.
1: Oh, by the way, I'm going to like I'll drop a little tip in here for you. If you have long legs, do not sit in the first row. Yeah. Or uh, do not sit in the first row of every car. It's, it's two cars connected together. So I believe that would be row 1 and row 4. Why is that? Because there's no leg room. Oh. Do you ever notice that it's just basically like a wall? No, I haven't legs. noticed that. I have not noticed that. Um, but if you are in the other rows, you get these nice long leg pockets. That I you do get love to a stick. leg pocket. They're like cubbies for your feet. You <laughs> don't get that. Big plus in feet cubbies. And I have relatively, you know, short legs. Normal mm. at most. For anyone that's like six feet or taller, stay away from that front row. Mm. Byron's Tinder profile just took a hit. <laughs> except you're not on Tinder anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last time I was on Tinder? <laughs>
0: That's true, you would be. You're more of a hinge guy. I was a hinge guy too. Another good here, the sound design just in general in this ride is spectacular. They really do a good job of making you really fucking scared of this abominable snowman. The the that first lift hill is terrifying. It's pitch black first off, and you just hear what sounds like dinosaur stomps like the T-Rex. It just and then you hear like a we could the play grunts? Yeah, we could play this right now. I recently rode this with my five-year-old nephew. I thought he was gonna have a heart attack. Because I was like, damn, this is even scary for me. They also now have like that it's a screen, but it's a beautifully rendered screen. It's like behind like like an icicle, kind of looking see-through icicle material that makes it look like he's staring at you through a glacier. And with the sound design it's terrifying because he screams at you, and then you go past it on the lift hill. You're still climbing very slowly. There's nothing you could do. You're strapped in. And when you get to the top of the hill, it gets pitch black again, and you just hear it more. It sounds like he's on top
1: of you. It's terrifying. I had the lift hill as well in general because. I think it's just such a great anticipation builder. The fact that you you roll into like a cave essentially, you almost you kind of roll like what appears to be underground.
0: You're talking about after the lift hill when you roll through that little cave portion. Oh, I'm, I'm
1: talking about when like they first dispatch you.
0: Oh, that's even In- better. <laughs>
1: I always forget that exists in the Matterhorn and I kind of realize the lift hill for me is one of the most entertaining, if not the most entertaining part of the ride.
0: Me too. It's, it builds anticipation of Harold. He's lurking, you know, he's out there up to no good. And then it just sets you up to have your senses dialed to 10 because it's pitch black. It's very slow. There's all these sound effects and things happening around you. So you're mentally starting to dial up your senses which is really hilarious because after you get off this lift hill, they really beat you over the head with everything. And when you're already kind of leaning in to listen, you get hit with the hammer. The first thing you see after the lift hill is the sighting of the old expedition. As we mentioned before, you see the Frank Wells uh, mentioned there, you see the Wells expedition. The thing is completely wrecked, so you know Harold got to them.
1: In the scene, apparently our snowman has grabbed vehicles from various attractions that have gone through the mountain. So we have a few bobsleds and one of the buckets from the very old 1959 attraction of the Skyway Buckets
0: great storytelling. A lot of people don't even realize that's part of the story, but you know, real ones know out there. This is at this point even as an adult, once I see that Wells expedition, I immediately get filled with anxiety because I know we're about to see Harold soon and I don't know where he is. I can never time it perfectly. I'm always like, "Okay, there's the Wells wreck. He I think he's around this corner." And then he's not. And then I actually don't know at what portion we see him. I think it's maybe like somewhere between 10 to 20 seconds later, but I could never time it. So I'm just sitting there tense.
1: You know, it also helps with that is the fact that there's two different uh, tracks. Yeah. And you could so see, it. yeah. So they're all, the, the Herald appearances are not at the exact moment. They're not perfectly mirrored tracks.
0: Yeah. And which gets me to the first Herald sighting, our guy, this dude, especially the new one, an absolute fucking
1: this guy is <laughs> huge. He's a huge animatronic. I'm going to admit I didn't like him the first time I saw him. I was too married to
0: the original. I'm I'm kind of just there. those
1: still red eyes. And honestly, more of it was just I think I'm realizing right now. I think I preferred the other one because of the sound, not the motion.
0: No. And you know what? You nailed it because first off. If you put a gun to my head and you say which Harold, we we could bring back one Harold, the other one has to die forever. I'm bringing back the old one. I think it's not as impressive of an animatronic, but I think it's more true to the nature of the ride and it's scarier. And I like that. The new one's more impressive. Like the maneuvers that this animatronic does are great. He kind of like leans out out of a hole. It's very fluid. He it's has like a fluid. head
1: shake to him. Like where like kind he of the does hairs have a head shake. Kind of fluff around.
0: He shakes his head like that. Uh, that that guy that's the boss of the Jar Jar Banks world in Star Wars. Right? That... <laughs> yeah, he does that kind of thing. I will say though, this is just a nice moment to dunk on Disney World because our our our, our mountain monster works unlike theirs. They have their Disco Yeti. And we got a full-blown state-of-the-art animatronic in our mountain, just saying. But we'll get into the sound design of that monster later because I agree with you. I just wanted to put a pin in that. This is also a good, I and like I said, I really mean this, the herky-jerky nature of the ride. I enjoy it. I think it adds an element of danger. Will I be injured on this ride? I don't know, possibly. If I was a chiropractor, I'd leave a stack of my business cards at the exit just in case. It's like, oh, I need a chiropractor. Oh, there's a stack of them right there. It's a lot, but I do enjoy it. It makes the ride dangerous to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, 27 miles an hour, you know, with that layout, with super smooth track, probably wouldn't have the same uh, level of thrill to it.
0: No, it would not. Here's another one. I like seeing the other bobsled run parallel to you. That's very novel. I think it might, is this the first ride that's ever done that, where you see another ride vehicle Right next to you, almost as if you're racing or running away at the same time.
1: I can't confirm that because I know a lot of old wooden roller coasters. Like racers, duelers. yeah.
0: But I like that it's not always dueling. There are moments when you make a turn and you see the other ride vehicle and you're like, oh, that's cool. There's other people running away from this guy in the mountain. Then you have Harold again. Harold's sighting number two. This one's even scarier than the first one because... It happens way later in the ride. And this one's even more impossible to time out. Cause not only are you getting like tossed around by this ride, but you know, I'm going to see this guy again. And I believe he's actually angrier on the second time you see him. <laughs> I still get scared of him. I don't think he's a scary animatronic but the trauma is there from seeing the other Harold as a child. And
1: you know what, the eyes are still red. They're at least
0: redder. They
1: they kept that,
0: right? No, they're not the lights because the other Harold literally did not have eyeballs. They were just red lights. Yeah. And that was fucking freaky. I remember even in the old VHS promo for Disneyland, A Day at Disneyland, that came out in like the 90s, like early 90s, used to watch the hell out of that VHS, by the way. They have a clip of Harold and it's like a superimposed dissolve clip of him screaming and his eyes are just red. They're just beaming at you. And I'm like, Dude, chill. <laughs> like, chill out. Maybe one of the best single
1: rider lines in the entire resort. Yeah, and I think a lot of people forget that it exists because well, it's an odd load walk, system. You could walk right up, but yeah, the thing is that that's totally true because those trains invite odd numbers.
0: Yeah, it's like a three person train and. This is, a, this is a money single rider line. I mean, how We're,
1: often do you have a family of five?
0: No, and, uh, and I've actually gotten on this ride in single rider with Mari, my wife, and we've actually been sat next to each other or in the same train many times just because of how often they go to that single rider line. Because they actually it, put you to a different portion of the queue, which is also nice.
1: Yeah, and if you can't find a party of two right away... Yeah, you, you'd you'd be able to ride with whoever you're in the single rider Exactly. Line
0: with. And if you're saying Ryan, but then if I get in the single rider line, I'm not going to get the actual standby line queue experience, which is true in most rides. However, in this ride, they put you to like the front of the switchback area on the right side, the Fantasyland side. So you still get to soak in that elite atmosphere of the music. You get to see people getting on and off the ride. And then the last thing I have here for good, elite nighttime atmosphere, maybe some of the best in the park. I love it. This is a great nighttime ride.
1: Terrific night ride. One of my favorite rides to And it's ride.
0: even scarier when at you night. see Harold at night because you know, he really disappears into the darkness a little bit better.
1: And it just always feels like you're going faster when you ride it at night. Cause you are. Technically you are. Um, yeah. And also just those inside quarters, it just even
0: gets darker. Those wheels heat up, the track heats up, you go a little faster. Uh, let's move on to the bad. First thing I have here is just- Ooh, can uh, I add
1: another good? Oh, let's
0: add another good. Yeah, go for it.
1: I'm gonna add uh, a great finale having a splash down into the water so <laughs> is based on how you're laughing right now make your case bad
0: it's a bad for me
1: look one of the biggest reasons why they did it yeah uh, when it was originally constructed was to serve as a braking mechanism
0: it slows you down
1: so i think it was very helpful in that regards i think it's very visually appeasing i think it's great for kinetic energy that's true it's a great way to advertise to guess
0: get on this ride yeah
1: get on this ride <laughs> it's <laughs> there, also a great laugh
0: kind of moment where you laugh and point at the person on the ride who got wet kind yeah of thing.
1: which doesn't happen all the time however there have been a few times in particular you're starting to get to why and now i know why you're putting it as a bad is if you are in the front row <laughs> Not only are you getting less leg room, depending on who's managing their water levels. Yeah. And if, especially if it's, I've noticed it's like usually when it's earlier in the day. Yeah. I think the water levels are higher and I've been hit in the front row with a tidal wave. Huge. An enormous like, wave. Drenched. An unbelievable
0: amount of water. I
1: don't believe this used to always be the case. No. It's in recent years. It's
0: happened in recent years, and actually, I agree with you that this is a good... I, in theory, like the water ending. However, what I have as a bad is that water at the end of the ride, completely unpredictable. I've been on this ride in the winter, and gotten wrecked like absolutely wrecked not just me the entire train there was a girl in front of me she's one of my friends she was wearing a, a red dress and she was so wet that the red was leaking down her legs that's how wet she got on this ride she looked like she had jumped into a swimming pool and we all kind of were like and she's a disney head too and i was like hey this ride doesn't normally do that right and she was like no I've never seen an entire train get absolutely demolished by a tidal wave like that.
1: What time of the day was this?
0: This was, I want to say, around 4 to 5 p.m. And I remember that because I was like, damn, this is not ideal. We don't have a hotel. We're going to be sopping wet for the rest of our time here. And it's not warm. Not a fan. And since that moment, I've been on high alert. I'm looking at people leaving the ride like, are they wet? Are they not wet? And it doesn't even matter because one train could be completely dry and then the next train it's like you jumped into a pool.
1: Oh, I'm gonna add one more good. Okay, let's keep going. I'm gonna add one more good here. As you mentioned, I just want to reiterate this. This ride is one of a kind. There is only one Matterhorn coaster, and we're in a world now where you everything
0: know, is duplicated and you know whatnot.
1: Space mountains are everywhere. Thunder Mountains are at nearly every Disney park. That's true. Matterhorn is Matterhorn. There will only be One Matterhorn. You can argue that there is a spiritual successor at Disney's Animal Kingdom, a much smoother experience
0: at Expedition Everest. Yes, I would agree with that.
1: With a B mode Yeti,
0: Joe Rohde said he was going to fix their monster, though he was going to fix the Yeti. He's gone, man, and he is gone. Joe Rohde was a legendary Disney Imagineer. He made Expedition Everest. He said he vowed to fix the Yeti. I don't think it's. He shook
1: his fist too. I
0: think he did do that. He had a lot of guts. One of those
1: expos. I will fix the Yeti someday. I swear.
0: Going into the bad though. First one, we've talked about it quite a bit. I just wrote pain in all caps. (laughs) I do like the herky-jerky nature. I wish it was about 50% less than the herk-jerk. It's definitely not rewritable. No, it's definitely not. No one's like getting off the Matterhorn and going, run it back. No one's doing
1: that. I mean, this is kind of circling back to first impressions a little bit. As a kid, I don't think you notice how rough it is because, no, because there's less body weight to throw around. Also,
0: your body's elastic as a kid. You could bounce off walls. You could get hit by a car and you'd probably just get up and be like, let's go get some ice cream. This ride as an adult is mayhem. Like, I am sore after I get off this ride. And I'm, I'm not like old by any sense. I'm still quite a spring chicken by some standards. So uh, by some standards, my standards. And I will say that this ride, I, I think they could clean it up just a tad. Yeah, I'm I, a little I, bit in for the nostalgia.
1: That one's hard to argue.
0: Let's get into that Harold animatronic because you said this earlier and I totally agree. I don't mind the animation or the look of the new animatronic. I think it's pretty cool. I prefer the other one, but I still think it's pretty cool. However, I do hate the new sound design that they have for Harold. It's goofy. It's a bit odd
1: and it's not. It just
0: feels a little off in tone.
1: It's like. Do you remember a goofy movie? Yeah. Remember Bigfoot in a Goofy movie? He's like Bigfoot. (laughs) Nope. The sound gives me that kind of vibe.
0: And that's not what I'm feeling when I'm getting on a very beautifully rendered and immersive mountain ride at night. I just don't need to see a guy shaking his head at me. It's a victim of prior success. The earlier iteration of Harold's yell is so perfect. Like, it is just sonically so perfect. It's scary, but it still feels
1: good. It's the perfect, like, roar to screech ratio.
0: It's very much like, I imagine when when the folks over at Imagineering made this yell, it must have been very similar to the feeling that the people who made the sound design for the T-Rex in Jurassic Park felt, like, they just nailed it. Like, a, a complete, absolute home run, throwing 102 miles an hour over there at Imagineering, I don't understand why they changed it because it does sound so good and this new one is so goofy and they can't even add it back because he's doing a lot of gesticulation
1: doing that. No, the cadence would not work. It was like a one note kind of...
0: It's perfect. And it had this quality and I don't think this is actually because of the the ride itself. I'm sure this was just in the mix of the sound effect. It had an echo to it that felt like it lingered as you were you know, riding past it. I don't know. It just... it scared me more, and I just thought it was a little bit more in tone. I'm sad it's gone. And then the last bat I have here, this ride could use a photo spot. I think perhaps like on that last little water drop when people are getting destroyed by water or not getting destroyed by water. Or when the first time you see Harold,
1: maybe a photo happens there. That's a good point because considering the amount of refurbs they've done on this ride... You yeah. think they would have tried to like help yourself out, make yourself some money, and make everyone happy? Yeah, they're not usually the ones to shy away from making a, a I don't few get extra it. bucks. So hide a I, little. I wonder you what, know. I wonder uh, what the reason is. If hide a camcorder
0: a... behind rail, or, <laughs> uh, behind Harold, or put one in his belly button. I don't care. Do you think
1: it's because half the photos would have dads that look like this?
0: Yeah, I know. Just dad's in pain. You know what I actually would kill for? I'd kill for a video. I want it even more now. I want a night vision video of people's faces on the lift hill just so you could see the terrified children and just just dads being stoked. Because like that lift hill, I bet you get some great reactions on there, especially the first time you see him peek through that glacier. Very scary. Make it happen, Disney. I'd like to see it. Make yourself some money. You, you know, that one's on the house. You can thank for your amusement for yeah, that freebie.
1: We got like the low light technology for this maybe now, no, right? No, yeah,
0: no, for sure. They're shooting all kinds of crazy shit. I know there is the low light function on my iPhone, but then you have to stand still for a long time for it to Can imagine you
1: imagine at the top of the, the lift?
0: On. Yeah, just a, a just a yeah, stand <laughs> still for two minutes there. Anyways, uh you have any more batter? Can we move on here? We can move
1: on. All right, let's move on
0: to the meat of this episode, the finale, if you will. This is the world class tests. We've devised a series of 10 tests slash questions to determine if this ride is world-class. If this ride passes 70% of them, it gets an automatic world-class pass. It's automatically a world-class attraction. If it gets 60% of them, uh, then it's up for debate. Anything below 60% is an automatic fail. No world-class pass for you. Uh, But before we get into these tests, let's have a word from our sponsor. All right. Welcome back. Let's get into the tests. Test number one, the average tourist test. Would the average tourist have a hard time getting on this ride? Is there a long wait? Is there a complicated queue system?
1: This is an easy pass. In I think my it's opinion. pretty
0: easy. You, you might have a bit of a wait here, but for the most part, you time it right. You could get on this ride around like a 40 minute wait. You catch it, right?
1: Yeah. As I recall, this was one of the last rides to get a lightning lane, or I guess at the time a fast pass, right?
0: Yeah, it I was. feel like it was
1: like after one of those refurbs, they finally added a fast pass, but for a long time it was basically standby or bust. It um, was. Now they got lightning lane, they got a single rider queue, the standby wait, usually under an hour.
0: I think it's highly accessible. I it's, think this is an easy pass.
1: It's the tallest structure in Disneyland park. So, I mean, you can't miss it. No, it's one of the ultimate so weenies. for any tourist that's, you know, coming and not familiar with the ride lineup, that's the one you're not gonna miss.
0: No, I agree, one for one. Test number two, the Leslie Stahl test. Will you be willing to wait 60 minutes for this attraction? Yes, I would wait 60 minutes. I think I
1: would, even despite my gripes with it. Look, 60 minutes at night with a churro in my hand, easy sell.
0: That's true, it's right next to a churro cart, right next to a popcorn cart. I'd do it, I wouldn't be happy about it. This is a very, very, very uh, light pass for me because if I was by myself, I'm certainly not waiting 60 minutes for this ride. If I'm with a group and the vibes are right, I'm doing it.
1: I can't remember the last time I've waited an hour to ride Matterhorn, but under the right circumstances, I most certainly
0: would. I agree, and that's kind of where I stand with it. So I'm gonna give it a live pass, it's a pass. Two for two. Test number three, the smartphone test. Does the queue of this ride have enough to keep you off your phone? I don't think
1: so. I, I mean, it, it. I'm gonna disagree. How is that? I think it depends on the person. I'll, I'll preface it with that. You're kind of in the epicenter of Disneyland. So no matter where you are on this mountain, Depends on which side you're standing on. Yeah, you got you got submarines on one side. You got the monorail cruising around. You got Small World out in the distance. All the sounds, like you said, the mad tea party. Yeah. The sounds of the mountain. There are times where I do enjoy being present and this is an excellent location for it. And there's just something about that Disney magic that just hugs you At when night. you wait in yeah. this queue. I don't know if it's nostalgia, if it harkens back to my earliest years of riding Matterhorn but i don't know it just feels like you're surrounded by classic disney and you're, that's why i'm letting this pass
0: you're making good points however i think that applies mainly to the theme park aficionado type if you're talking about like the average person they're not getting rise of the resistance level entertainment that's going to really keep them engaged you're you're banking on people being like i'm going to look at The submarines, which aren't even a part of this ride.
1: What are you talking about, Ryan? You get a splashdown. Yeah, I just don't.
0: I don't I like especially if you're standing on that Tomorrowland side. You're looking at the submarines. Not a lot too much going on there. Monorail, sure. But other than that, kind of a somewhat dead corner.
1: Wait, by the way, do they still have you wait on two sides of the mountain or have they just turned it into one side and then you merge at the end?
0: I think they might've turned it into one. Cause I don't recall I can't people. keep up. They reverb
1: this thing so much. I don't but. recall
0: if they started to do it on the fantasy land side. They used to do that, but that is the superior side. If you have the choice to, to wait, uh, I don't know if they even do that anymore. Cause it, I could see how it would cause like a bottleneck, but I like that fantasy land side. Cause you could see main street. Kinda, you have the teacups, you have Alice in Wonderland. However, all this to say, these are all parts that aren't the ride. These, this is just like, this is like the park itself. Like, and I don't think this is a reflection of the ride's cue. It just so happens that you could see those things. And the actual elements that are purposeful for this ride, it's just a switchback, man. <laughs> With some music and, and some sound effects filtered I think, out. I
1: think it's terrific Fantasyland scenery.
0: Oh man, I I don't know. I think this is a fail.
1: <laughs> if you're waiting uh, that line for an hour, there's no way. Come on, man. I can see I once again I think this de- this depends on the person. Are we able like by the way, I don't we haven't really been caught in a stalemate before. How about this? Are we able to give like an NA and then come back to it? Let's let's put a pin in it, this one. If it one, boils down to We'll put
0: like I'll put it as a, a pass and a fail and if it comes down to it, we'll have it out. How about that? Perfect. Okay, so let's call it two for three though for the time being oh fuck off let's call it two for three. really for the time what do you want to call it two and a half that's so confusing just two for two that's the third test man Hmm? that's the that's the third test so it has to be
1: you you have to count the test you can't do an na
0: i suppose i could give it an na all right you know what two for two sure like we'll go perform with two for two (laughs) tony stark test this is test number four how innovative is the attraction does it push theme park tech forward I think when you consider that it was the first steel tubular roller coaster and it was the first electronic dispatch system, it is obviously a pass in terms of like what that did for theme parks from that point on.
1: Absolutely. And in
0: terms of even themed roller coasters.
1: What what was the next roller coaster that uh, the Imagineers did? It was Space Mountain. Yeah. Matterhorn paved the way for Space Mountain, more so the Magic Kingdom version. And if you actually ride that, that one will beat you up a little bit, too. That is clearly the next. You know,
0: that's true. It
1: feels like it's very much Matterhorn, but in an enclosed building, the load system is similar there, similar load system that, that one took it a step further, though. That was the first one to be ran by computers. So this
0: one's an obvious pass three for three with one N.A. The fifth test is the Hollywood test. Can this attraction be adapted for the silver screen? Does it have a comprehensible story? Oh, yeah. I think this, I think this for sure could be made into a movie. In fact, there's been talks about it being made into a movie for a long time. I would see this movie. I love monster flicks. I think you could make a great movie out of this ride.
1: And they kind of have a clean slate in regards to story.
0: That's true. You have the basic uh, spine of a story here. Expedition goes before they never come back. You're on the next expedition. There's a abominable snowman there
1: isn't this in development
0: it it is it's in development so i think they have a lot to work with in terms of it's an existing ip that has a very loose story but everyone's familiar with the story and you could have a lot of fun and you could avoid the pitfalls of like well it's not you know it's not like actually true to the ride it doesn't have this or that or this like you could easily make a, a movie out of this just using the story elements that people know and people will be very very happy
1: that's a pass
0: I'd love to be in this film, Disney.
1: Just you're g- you're going to be Harold. <laughs> I'll, I'll be Harold. They're going to
0: put you in the costume. Yeah, put me. Even if you make me the goofy one, that's a pass. That's four for f- four with one na. You know what? This is confusing. I'm just going to say four four and a <laughs> half out of five so far. <laughs> uh, test number six here, though. The Simpson test. How likely is this to be replaced with something new, much like the Simpsons did to Back to the Future, which we all mourn to this day. I don't think this ride's ever gonna re- get replaced. It's one of the original attractions. You can't do it. You just can't. It's never gonna happen. There will be a riot down Main Street if this ride ever got replaced. I don't even wanna know what would happen. I'd be I'd be very upset, and I'm not even the biggest fan of this ride.
1: I don't think we need to dwell on this very long. It's, a, it's an easy pass.
0: No, it's a pass. Test number seven, the Signature Moment test. Can this ride hold its own without its Signature Moment? Is this ride a one-trick pony?
1: What would you consider it? I don't even, I
0: guess the signature moment would be the first time you see Harold, but then that happens again. There's a couple signature it moments depends, in this, depends, right? because
1: you could even say the lift hill. I would say you it's could... Harold
0: in general, because there's two animatronics that you know you're going to see that are great.
1: Some would probably argue the finale, the splashdown. I know as a kid that
0: They'd make always seemed like
1: the signature moment.
0: That's true. Either way, there's enough moments throughout this entire ride that I think it does hold its own without it. Like, even if you took out one of the animatronics, I'd still be very pleased. If you took out both of them, that might be a bit much. No Herald, that's that's a little tough for me. However, like we said earlier, this ride ran for about 19 years without any animatronic or Herald. I imagine they must have had kind of like hints that there was something in this mountain. Maybe not. I or no just idea. the
1: novelty of riding a roller coaster. In throughout. a mountain. In a mountain.
0: I think the the idea of adding a monster to it is incredible. Mm-hmm. So I think all that to say, I think there's enough here that it is not a one trick pony. So I would, I would say this is a pass as well, which now puts us at six and a half out of seven. And that brings us to the final three tests, which before we get into those tests, let's hear another word from our sponsors. All right, we're back. Let's finish this thing off. Last three tests. Here we go. Test number eight, the premature detraculation test. Does this ride finish too soon?
1: Absolutely not.
0: I don't think so either. I think it's perfectly paced. It's a In long fact, ride. I'd like for it to be over a little sooner, if, if anything, sometimes.
1: The pacing's terrific.
0: No, it's, it's um, a great ride. And because of the fear of Harold, it eats up that track time. So... I think this is an easy pass. This ride is already world class. I did not expect that. I did not expect it to do this well. That means it is now at seven and a half out of eight. So it could go up there with some of, in the annals of other very high performing rides. I'm excited to see what this ends up at.
1: So, if you're an attraction out there, I don't know why I'm speaking to attractions as if they're like <laughs> if they're am I anthropomorphizing? Harold's not going to write am us. Am I anthropomorphizing? This? I think you might be attractions. If you, if you're rough as all fuck, um, I guess you have a chance of passing our test. I guess so. Um, you just have to have a very rich history, great theming, and be located in an iconic park like Disneyland.
0: Yeah, I guess so. An attraction built in 1959, still making people happy in 2023 is is not something to be uh discounted. Okay, test number 9, exit hall test. Do you see people be physically excited getting off this ride? Do you have that bounce in you after you are walking off this
1: ride? I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with no too. <laughs> I'm going to go with, Children seem to have a bit more bounce for many kids it is their first roller coaster. So gosh, I I can only imagine a bunch of kids riding roller coasters for the first time. You would have a lot of bounce, especially after that splashdown finale. Oh, so it's great. Yeah, there is bounce. It exists. I still don't think it's a pass in my book because when it boils down to subsequent rides, um, I just don't have it anymore.
0: No one's saying, let's get back on this ride. No one used, is saying that
1: I'll still like look at friends. and I'm like, nice.
0: More often than not, I see people holding the bottom of their back. When they get off this ride, they're like, or like, you know, kind of doing this thing where they're stretching out their arms. Like Jesus Christ, it's a lot. Uh, yeah. This is a dad killer. It's a dad killer. I yep. know they have the widowmaker, but this is a little less version of that. This actually,
1: is, as I recall, most this the is times... the nap
0: maker. This makes dad go. T- this makes dad go take a nap, mm-hmm. or go sit at Trader Sam's and have a beer.
1: <laughs> as I recall, I think actually my stoke is a little bit higher before I get on the ride. Than after.
0: I would agree with that. Nowadays. The stokage is low on you when you get off this ride. But I
1: still, I still gotta go for it. I still have a great time.
0: But still, it's a fail. So now we are at 7.5 out of 9 so far. Moving to the last test. Test number 10. The fine wine test. Has this ride aged well? Has your opinion of the attraction appreciated or depreciated since your first experience? Or if it's a new ride, do you believe it will age well? oh. That's, this is a tricky one. That is very tricky because oh, oh, you, could, you take a stab at this one and I'll gather my thoughts. because
1: On one hand, my appreciation grows for this ride because of the history. The more I learn about it, the more I appreciate it. Yeah. On the other hand... I can't in good faith say that I enjoy riding this more than the six year old version of myself. No, absolutely. Despite not. being no. petrified no. by Harold. Yeah. I'm going to say no pass.
0: I also agree. It has not aged well in my head. I think it was an amazing achievement for what it was back in the 50s, the late 50s. But today, as a modern ride, there's not a lot of things happening for you from a roller coaster standpoint other than pain. And I'm sad about the. Uh, about Harold. I think they, they made him less.
1: That's an excellent point.
0: They improved the fluidity of the animatronic, but they lost the vibes. They lost the vibes in a big way. I think for that very reason, uh, it's a fail. And that brings us to seven and a half out of ten. Do you Do you even want to have it out over the...
1: I don't think we have to. It's not a...
0: We're going to make this our first
1: 7.5. I, Because I, I could, you know, I could simply just say, okay, I, I changed my mind on the smartphone test, put it at seven. It's still a pass.
0: It's still a pass. It's still a pass. Yeah. But then if we don't change our mind, it could also be an eight. And what if another attraction gets an eight and we have a list in the future of uh, all the rides that got an eight.
1: So you're saying we can't leave, We don't do decimals here.
0: I don't think we could do decimals, man. I think we got to have it out. I still don't think there's a lot here in the queue. I really don't.
1: All right. The smartphone test. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. I really don't. I think there's a lot
0: of things going on around the ride that have nothing to do with the ride.
1: I want this. I want think this about debate it. to no, end, but, but I can't. Think about it. Like the, 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 the
0: teacups, for example, or the submarines. In what world is there a lagoon with a fucking submarine by a Swiss mountain? That this doesn't fit in the world
1: this has nothing to do even, with smartphone even fantasy. Yes, it yes it does
0: yes it does because you're saying that in the smartphone you're, test, you're not entertained by it you're saying that the queue of this ride has enough to keep you off your smartphone and you're saying it's because of the teacups and the and the monorail yeah there's a lot and, of energy it's, yeah it's, but that has fun. nothing to do with the theming it's fun you're surrounded there's by
1: disneyland part
0: of like an uh the theming of a queue is the immersion there's nothing that breaks you out of the immersion faster than seeing the teacups or a submarine, which shouldn't occur next to a Swiss mountain. In fact, it's so out of place, it doesn't belong in either land, Tomorrowland or Fantasyland. So to be like, that's a plus for the queue, is an odd move. I think that's an odd take.
1: I like to call it an enigma.
0: I don't, oh my God, <laughs> dude. I, I think there's nothing going for it from a queue perspective that they did on purpose within the confines of the ride. It's an outdoor queue. That's basically, it's an outdoor switchback. They slap some woodwork on it. They put on a score. Look. They call it a day.
1: I'm going to let you win this one. Because I have won. (laughs) You know I've won. (laughs) Only because I've realized that I'm fighting for my own personal interest. And rarely do I actually see guests super enthused looking at their surroundings with the same dreamy eyes I still do. No, because you're a theme park nerd. Yeah. This, so, is, this is
0: another heads-up ride, where people are playing heads-up in the in, in line. They're doing the Guess in Charades game with the cell phone on their forehead.
1: I mean, through the filibuster you just presented, <laughs> it opened my eyes and my mind to the idea that there are other people besides me, perhaps a little more normal, yeah. that would not consider this a pass for the smartphone test. 7 out of um, 10.
0: I think that's respectful. It is a world-class attraction, if not for just what it's given theme parks in general
1: not a slam dunk but definitely world class i think we gave it a very fair score
0: i think seven out of ten is the maximum i would give it uh that does it for this episode of for your amusement make sure you follow us on our socials at fya pod on twitter uh instagram and threads and uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the channel and also subscribe to the podcast. It helps us out in a big way to keep making the show for you. I'm at Ryan S. Bergara on Twitter and at Ryan Bergara on Instagram. And Byron is at Byron A. Marin on both.
1: You know my handle better than I do now.
0: I do. I do. It's, it's locked and loaded, baby. I hope you guys stay locked and loaded for the next episode of For Your Amusement. You see what I did there? It was pretty good. But uh, thank you guys for the support and hope you listen to the next one. See you next time.
1: Remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor.